bit like you know the Monty Python scene in 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 the movie The Holy Grail where John Cleese has his arms and legs chopped off has come back here I'll bite your legs <laughs> off yeah it's it's that sort of thing I don't think David Beckham's going to play for England again how uh, are you Ed I I'm good uh, no he's he certainly won't yes he he's done but in deep deep denial but yeah yeah good very good uh, enjoyed the charity shield oh, community shield whatever it's called last week. Um, of course, good to get a win over Chelsea, even if uh, they barely looked out of their pre-season uh, warm-ups, let alone training. I think they were, yes, bang in the middle of pre-season training, weren't they? They they, they didn't seem to have much about them. Um, although they, they, you know, the scoreline may be slightly flattering. They they you know made us look shaky at the back a couple of times. Yeah, they certainly had their chances. Uh, I, I thought United did well in possession of the ball, which was was good to see, I guess. Not unexpected, unlike uh, anyone watching England. Van der Sar pulled off some good saves in the second half, a, a brilliant save in the first half, of course, uh, from that header. But uh, I thought overall United did well. I mean, I, I think we do have to... We have to add some caveats here. I know everyone got extremely excited about it, but uh, Chelsea do have the double the number of players coming back from the World Cup, so they are later in their pre-season than United. And uh, they basically didn't play with any kind of defensive midfielder, which allowed Skulls to keep the ball constantly, and no one tried to tackle him all game. And I don't think that will happen very often in the Premier League. Uh, last week on this very programme, you said uh, Skulls will do brilliantly when there aren't younger fitter legs harrying him off the ball and that was exactly what happened Skull did, Skulls did brilliantly when there weren't younger fitter legs harrying him off the ball he he had plenty of time and space and pinged it about all over the place it was it was great to see yeah it was great Skulls, skulls of old well I mean in almost Skulls of old right he, he barely got above the centre half but um, yeah I mean give, give him the ball and he, he's he's still brilliant with it, isn't he? Trying to get him to to be that kind of attacking creative force. I think he's just a it's an ask too many for him because he can't he just can't get around in the way he used to do. Um, which of course we spoke about in our preseason last week, which is why there's such a a big gap in United's armory this season. But um, still, loads of positive came out of that. I thought second half Chicharito and, and Berbatov both had good games. Berbatov will be. Glad that someone seemed to be on his wavelength and Chicharito just, uh, he, he looked great with his pace and looked like he could cause a significant amount of damage to, to English defences. So I have a question for you. For my prediction to come true, does Berbatov only need to score another 24 this season? Does that one count? Well, same with uh, with Hernandez as well. Is that his first competitive goal? I'm not sure. Depends on which which uh, record book you look in. Uh, I did ask around on this one. Uh, some people said yes. Some people said no. Some people cited uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy's first goal as being counting you know, as his first competitive goal for the club. They they do allow six substitutions though so I think this probably comes under the realms of a friendly uh, rather than competitive match It was an absolutely spectacular goal from Berbatov and incredibly heartening to see in terms of a player who looked like his confidence had been shot to pieces, that was not the uh, not the attempt of a wallflower with no confidence was it? Well, that's what Berbatov can do, of course. He, he's got all that uh, all that skill and quality. Good to see. I didn't think he had a great pre-season program. Uh, he's probably just, you know, a bit slow in pre-season, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Languid, is that what you're saying? Are you saying he's languid? Well, no, I, I, I'm slow to develop, you know. <laughs> needs, needs a few minutes to get going. 
Um, what an extraordinary finish by Chicharito. I mean, Chicharito, sorry. What, what a way to open your accounts. Um, he quite, de- obviously quite deliberately tricked the goalkeeper by, you know, his standing foot going out from under him, so his striking foot smacked it into his face and into the back of the net. Yeah, huge, huge slice of luck, of course. And I, I, I thought actually in all of that, it was quite nice that he he kind of mocked it in his goal celebration by you know his, uh, hitting his own face and uh, yeah, rather than uh, rather than trying to take all the glory and uh, pretend like uh, he meant it all along. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was it was a very an, a nice sort of humble goal celebration, and he did a bit of badge kissing, which you know the people kissing the badge gets a lot of stick because it you know, because of what it's come to represent in the modern game of footballing mercenaries. But you could see that what he was trying to say was, "I'm really happy to be at Manchester United," kind of thing. That's it, he wasn't saying like, "Oh, I'll be a Manchester United player forever or whatever." You know what I mean? It was. Uh, Right. It, ha- it had some. It had a, a sort of genuine quality to it, and and all the sounds coming out of the training camp, and certainly the reaction of the rest of the squad to the goal, looks like he he seems to be a nice lad. Yeah, he he seems to be, and he uh, he speaks good English, which probably helps as well. Uh, so I'm sure he'll he'll integrate well into the squad pretty quickly as a result of that. Um, what did you think of uh, Ferguson's team selection, picking Michael Owen and Wayne Rooney in the first half? It was certainly a bit of a surprise to me. Well, I don't know if he'll do that very often in the actual season. I think he just went with a team that needed minutes. I mean, as he said about Michael Carrick, who, um, who mysteriously recovered from a two-week ankle injury in, inside 24 hours, he needed minutes because he hadn't had enough. So I think he, he went with a, a initial team selection that would uh, give him the, the kind of minutes um, in the legs of the on, on the players he wanted. Basically, I, I think that's Ferguson's thinking about this game. He he doesn't mind if United lose. I mean, of course, thirty thousand United fans turned up, so it, it does make it a bit different from that perspective. But um, he's he's not uh, thinking all, all about the victory. There's a there's a, a personal side to this story for you, isn't there, Ed? It was a, it was a special occasion in many ways. Oh yes. Well, I took the little one to the game, so that was her first game, um, which she actually pretty enjoyed. I mean, she's not really a huge football fan yet. I mean, it's hard to be at five, I think. But uh, she she yeah had fun. Tried to sing along, didn't really. Clapped along a lot. Jumped up and down when she could see. Excellent. Um, I, I, I noticed the word yet in that, so she's not a huge football fan yet. Well, there's always time for indoctrination, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so we come now to the business of the actual football season, where we'll all be indoctrinated into the path of us marching on towards our inevitable victory in the league. Well, perhaps not an inevitable victory in the league, but certainly an inevitable victory over the barcodes. They're back. Six points are back, Ed. I know, it's good. It's good. Actually, I think, um, I think at risk of sounding like a cliche, I, I think it's good to have a, a side like Newcastle back in the Premier League. Yeah, they are a big club. Obviously, great support up there who've spent the, the best part of the last 50 years being completely uh, unsuccessful and ridden roughshod over by um, by a series of uh, greedy owners. Um, I mean, it looks like they've they've got by default uh, an owner now who um, who who's going to. Uh, have some financial prudence about him and uh, may well be in it for the long term at least uh, long enough that 
his uh, the value of his stock rises so he can sell it at uh, a Premier League price rather than a Championship price. Um, and as for the game, you would assume uh, they haven't done a huge amount of business in the summer Newcastle, so you would assume that they're not actually that good because the gulf between the Championship and the Premier League is pretty big. Um, so I'm I'm expecting a United win, although their first game they're going to be giving it everything, right? And they've had a long time to prepare for this and not loads of uh, players out of the World Cup and all of that. So I, uh, I'm sure we're not going to be knocking six past them, but uh, I'd expect a United win. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have it on good authority, though, that they, they'd love it if they beat us. That's uh, That's what I hear. They just love it, love it. Yeah, just love oh, it if they love beat it. us. I'd yeah. love it if they beat us. They probably won't, though, do they? They never beat us, Newcastle. They haven't beaten us for such a long time. We always, we, you say we're not going to score six, but if we're going to score six past anyone, uh, it's probably, and it's not Blackpool, it's probably going to end up being Newcastle. Of course, there's um, been some early season games with them in the past, haven't there? There, there was a game many, many moons ago where Andy Cole scored in a one-all draw, I believe. And then a couple of seasons ago, we also opened against them. I believe that was a draw too. So. Predictions, predictions for the team sheet. Van der Sar, I guess Raphael, Evans, and Vidic as three of the back four. The third one, um, I mean, will, will depend on quite who he picks. I mean, he could play O'Shea there and Brown at right back, and I, I suppose he could pick Fabio. I don't know how much time he'll actually give Fabio this season but um, Ever is only just back in training so uh, he, he might be on the bench for the Newcastle game but it seems unlikely he'll play the full 90 minutes in midfield you, you'd expect I mean this is a home game opening day of the season you kind of think he might go with two up front so conservatively um, Valencia, Scholes, Fletcher and Nani and then Rooney, 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 Rooney. Wayne Rooney. Oh, I've turned to Roy Hodgson. Um, <laughs> Rooney and one other. Um, probably Berbatov. Um, perhaps Owen, although un- more unlikely. I suppose the romantic choice would be Hernandez, but I think that's probably unlikely too. I need to point out on behalf of uh, speech impediment experts everywhere that it's not Roy Hodgson, it's Roy Hodgson. It- it's the soft palate R rather than the Jonathan Ross W. Roy. He's an excellent striker. Uh, but yes, I, I think you're probably right. I think he's going to play 4-4-2, isn't he? And uh, I think Berbatov's going to score. That's my prediction. But you will hear me say that every week between now and Christmas, at least. Yeah. And um, funny thing about Roy Hudson, he, his accent always gets me. He's, he's like a man who spent a long time abroad very specifically intonating every single syllable. <laughs> I, it's such a shame that he's managing Liverpool. You're not supposed to like be really affectionate about the Liverpool manager, but I'm sorry, I I, I cannot help it. I have tremendous affection for Roy Hodgson, um, and uh, I think he's an excellent manager. And it's, it's it's a real shame to see him at Liverpool. Yeah, well, he's sullied himself. Moving on, I guess. <laughs> M- moving on from Roy Hodgson's personal life. Uh, what's your um, prediction for the scoreline for the Newcastle game? Oh, I, I think it will be, you know, a narrow-ish win for United, sort of a 2-0, 2-1 type of thing. I think I'm going with 4-1 to United. Wow. Confident. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's a, the start of the season, bags of goals in, in this United squad. This is the kind of game which uh, we're going to relish all season long. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. We've got a pretty fit squad, you know, if if... I think I think we're going to have a, a good strong start this season. I, I really I know it's only the Community Shield and I know Chelsea weren't at it, but I really did like what I saw from 
from United. Well, there's plenty of firepower in the squad, and of course, um, segueing in smoothly, we've added some more attacking talent uh, to the squad this week in in, in Bebe, and I, I couldn't possibly tell you what his long name is because it, it's extremely long. But um, and it, and it really doesn't matter because uh, he will always be known as Bebe to me. <clears throat> is it possible that Sir Alex signed him just because he wants every day of his working life to come into work and say, how's it going, baby? <laughs> well, of course, he's he's also got Mame and Nanny in his squad. We just need a daddy and we've got the full complement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, daddy's at work, which is why Nanny has to look after Bebe. Um, and, and, and at some point during the season, of course, Giggs is going to go up to him and say, hey, lad, take this set piece will you and they'll look at him and say nobody makes Bebe take a corner boom boom do you see what I did there boom why did we sign another striker Ed well uh, actually this is the debate is he a striker or not so it's been reported widely that he is a striker and uh, indeed on ManchesterUnited.com and in the official statement they called him a striker but word from Portugal is that he's more an out to in type player more more of a, a, a nanny uh, or a stroke Ronaldo Figo that, that kind of player rather than a Rooney Berbatov out and out striker so uh, why we signed him it seems like Carlos Quiroz has, has recommended him and said, uh, go get this lad, which is it's quite remarkable, really. Uh, five weeks ago, he was with a Portuguese third division outfit. He spent one season in the third division, which, by all accounts, is not a great standard. And before that, had been playing with an amateur team. So he's basically had one season of third division football, and now he's a Manchester United player. And, and uh, Vitória de Guimarães um, must be delighted with this, because they flipped him five weeks ago. They had him for nothing. And now they've got the full €9 million Euro buyout clause. It's, it's really, really, really rather extraordinary. And I mean, this is going to be said in every piece about him, every way that's ever written. But the, the man played in the Homeless World Cup. Yes, yeah, so I, I think Ferguson's taken our work with UNICEF a little bit too far here, hasn't he? If, if he's the new Cristiano Ronaldo, this will be wonderful. Uh, if he's the new Manucho less so yes well that that was Kieros's last recommendation to us Manucho so yeah mm. it's a lot of money to spend I mean seriously uh, 7.4 million pounds is a, is a big chunk of change given you know it's a third of our spending this this summer given that uh, he outright refuses to buy a, a new creative midfielder which seems to be you know sorely lacking in the United squad um, and and has twice said I'm happy with my squad, uh, and then gone out and bought a player. So uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, so talking to uh, Man United Portugal uh, on Twitter yesterday, um, uh, Ricardo uh, Calvente, who is the president of uh, the Portuguese Manchester United Supporters Club, says that um, quote unquote by Christmas everybody will know his name. He thinks he's uh, he's got bags and bags of potential, all raw talent and that we should be patient with him uh, because it will come through in the end but uh, he still couldn't tell me whether he'll be a Ronaldo or a Manucha and I suppose that's true of um, yeah, 20 year olds uh, especially those with with uh, very little top flight experience I mean this guy's got nothing he hasn't had a minute um, on football above a uh, third division standard so uh, you know I, I look, just the few YouTube clips that have been gathered from the 
the United Online community and there really isn't much of him. It looks like he's got loads and loads and loads of pace, uh, loves running at players, uh, happy to come from deep and got a decent shot on him. He's, he's scored a one blinding goal from distance. Um, but you know, how much can you, how much can you tell from that? Uh, and the only thing that worries me here is that I don't think any of the United coaches have actually seen him play live. No, and they, they can't have, um, used YouTube to scout for him as they might have done with other players because because there's so little out there of him. I've got a question about the the deal. Is this 7.4 million pounds or is this 7.4 million pounds if he scores the winner in the Champions League for us and wins the World Cup with Portugal? No, they've bought out his um his release clause so it's it's uh, it's 9 million euros up front. Wow, that's absolutely extraordinary. And that's absolutely extraordinary. And are they going to keep him on the books this season, or are they going to loan him back to Victoria? No, no, he's on the books. He's um, he's 20, so he'll, he'll count as one from the B list. It doesn't affect our 25-man European or Premier League squads. But, yeah, apparently he'll be part of the first-team squad this season, although m- more likely than not he'll be, uh, he'll be playing reserve team football. But yeah, he's not being loaned back out. I guess they they want to get to work on him. It's it's a it's a really odd one. I mean, they shipped out Mane Diouf last week. I guess he's had half a season to acclimatise, and they realise he's not much good, and they've um, shipped him out with a view to selling him. Uh, is my guess. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, recent recent history of some of these younger players suggests that this guy might not make it. But hey, you know, let's let's hope he does. One question I, I, that has been buzzing around my mind in the last week, especially given the acquisition of Bebe, is uh, Federico Marqueda. What's uh, what's the latest on Marqueda? Do you think he's going to play a part this season? Well, they're, they're refusing to loan him out. And, and apparently uh, quite a few Italian clubs have, have expressed an interest in bringing him back to Italy. So uh, I guess so. There, there are, even if Bebe is competing with Valencia and Nani and Park and Obertan for a for a spot in the you know one of the wide uh, places in the in the four three three. There are still what five forwards uh, in United's first team in this picture this season. So it's hard to see Makeda getting a lot of game time, and that will be a third season in a row that he's just not got a lot of game time. So you know, yeah, he had a bit of reserve team football last year. Obviously, had a lot of um, a lot of injuries. Uh, he had a you know, a lot more for the, for the reserve team football the year before and a few uh, late season call ups. So it'd be nice to see him get some games, but hey, you know, even, I, I don't see a scenario where he can get 25 games this season. It's, it seems almost impossible, given that say United play 55 to 60 games. Given that in at least half of those, United will be playing one up front. Yeah, and Marcado is a long way down the pecking order to be the one up front, isn't he? He certainly is. He certainly yeah. Is. Um, in, in incredibly tangentially Manchester United related news, not, not even on our rundown, um, a man that's often been talked as a potential successor to Sir Alex Ferguson, Martin O'Neill, walked out on Aston Villa five days before the start of the new football season. Uh, it seemed to me to be a remarkably unprofessional thing to do. Whatever the circumstances are at your club, whatever your relationship with your chairman, surely this is not good for the rest of your career to walk out on a club five days before the start of a top flight campaign. No, no, it's not. And he's um, he's had a hissy fit and throwing the, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Has he also thrown his toys out of the pram? 
Probably, yes, or, you know, throwing these toys out of the bathwater and the baby out of the pram, whichever <laughs> way around it is. Yes, bas- basically, uh, he's uh, he's gone to Randy Lerner and said, uh, can I have the full amount of cash from the Milner deal? Lerner has said no because he has racked up a little bit of debt over the last uh, couple of seasons. Obviously, he, he's been, uh, Lerner that is running a fairly tight ship and O'Neill has progressed slowly over each of the four seasons he's been with Aston Villa. And I think O'Neill's wants to make that breakthrough um, with Aston Villa and wants to challenge for the, the top spaces and he's going to lose another of his top players and he won't be allowed to reinvest the money and he's he's thrown a fit but um, and, and Randy Lern is looking to look into the financial regulations that are coming in and he's saying we're going to break even and uh, I'm afraid that means Aston Villa are a, a buy to sell side why, what I don't quite understand is why Martin O'Neill wouldn't understand that Unless, you know, some promises have been overtly made and then not kept. That's that's the only thing that sort of makes sense, really, with that they were kind of promising him untapped spending sort of thing. And instead, he's got this incredibly tight financial restriction. It, it seems to me that if you anyone, any outsider looking rationally at Aston Villa's situation would say, actually, consolidating themselves as the kind of sixth best club in the premiership is probably going to take a few seasons before they can even think about pushing up to the top four when you've got Liverpool having a new manager and uh, Manchester City ploughing all the money on God's green earth into their title, their top four challenge. Yes, or or in uh, City's case, uh, Allah's dusty earth, I think is (laughs) is much more appropriate. Or is that that, that an inappropriate statement? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're right in that assessment, but uh, I mean, I guess O'Neill would look at Tottenham and and see what they've achieved on a, a, you know, a a slightly more generous budget, uh, I suppose, uh, but still a similar kind of size and stature of club. That have that have made the top four, and, and uh, O'Neill's an ambitious man. And he he wants to get there himself, but clearly not going to be with Aston Villa. And there's a, a big chance now that he's shot himself in the foot so much that he he won't get another top job as a result. I mean, I think the Tottenham thing last season is a bit of an, o- an anomaly in many ways because Liverpool had such a poor season, and because the Manchester City billions haven't yet started to pay dividends. But you've got to think that Liverpool won't be as bad again now they've shipped out Benitez uh, and that Manchester City's rampant spending will eventually make them one of the top four. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think Liverpool will improve. I, I think uh, Benitez had lost some of the dressing room, hadn't he? I, I don't think they'll improve enough to make the top four, mind you, uh, Liverpool. And I, I think they have more modest ambitions. I mean... They, they signed Christian Paulson from Juve and I think Juve were quite happy to let him go I mean there have been rumours that Paulson was going for a while and, and uh, he, he will um, allow uh, Mascherano to head out so I, I think uh, I think Liverpool will consolidate not seventh but not f- not in the top four either and I think that would represent a, you know at least they're not falling apart Unless unless this deal goes through and they spend massive in the last week of the transfer season, although that that seems unlikely, um, as none of the bidders have actually uh, provided proof of funds yet. I have to wonder uh, about the top four this season. I do think it's going to be fiercely competitive for that for that fourth spot. And and whatever you think about Liverpool, I I think they probably had 
they before Martin O'Neill walked out, they had a better chance. Liverpool had a better chance than Aston Villa of breaking into the top four. It would seem to well, me. Well, they've got more weapons at their disposal, uh, uh, you know, especially if, if Milner leaves Villa. So, uh, I mean, he'll be a squad player at City, of course, Milner. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a very short-sighted move to me, but I'm not being offered hundreds of thousands of pounds a week to go and sit on the bench at Eastlands. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think the top four will be very competitive. Uh, it's 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 all of them have designs on the the title. I I mean, I, I think City would be happy with just the top four this season as a measure of progress. I mean, depends who they manage to sign in, in the last sort of two weeks of the of the window, doesn't it? It does, but you you think that most of the really big business has been done by now, don't you? I, they just want to complete the Milner deal and the Balotelli deal, and uh, and then chip a few out. So Ireland and Bellamy and and uh, Anu is already gone, of course. Uh, and and then I guess the big decision after that with City is uh, given or heart in goal, and and that will be them settled for for the season and. Yeah, who knows? Many, many people uh, are predicting them to finish uh, above United this season. I, I don't see that. I think uh, I think there'll still be some inconsistency in City's performances, and I think they, you know, as I predicted, I think that they'll finish third. But yeah, all, all those top four: Chelsea, United, City, and Arsenal, all want to win the title. So there's uh, there's no position above first, Ed it's impossible for City to finish above United because we're going to win the league this season good Um, yes talking of us winning the league a man that won the league with us many times uh, a United legend uh, lifelong fan and um, whatever PR difficulties he might have had with the club wiped out in one glorious scarf picking up moment last season uh, Sir David Beckham has been cruelly cast aside by the evil Italian overlords who are running the, this glorious lands national team uh, just in case you were wondering there was a slight element of irony in the nationalism there but but I do think that Capello has made a rather fatal error because you do not go head to head with David Beckham's PR and win uh, no, you don't, do you? And and of course, Beckham has played the master extremely well here. So Capello effectively cast him aside on television by saying he was too old. And then uh, Beckham responded very quickly, uh, his machine, with, uh, I will never retire and I'll always be available. And of course, there's, a, there's an element of, of denial in that, but of course, there's a very smart element of PR. And, and Capello's been forced to say that he'll get a friendly to um, say bye-bye to the fans, and which was rather condescending. Incredibly condescending, but but also sort of slightly wonderful because I mean um, I, I said it on our season roundup at the end of last season, but my, that game against Milan was the highlight of the season for me. The 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 send off that uh, United gave gave Beckham's career. Uh, it would be nice to see the England fans give him something similar because he has been incredibly dedicated to the England cause over the years. Yeah, um, an an iconic figure in many ways for for England. Not not just because his stature, but the performances he put in, especially as captain. I I thought in the um, the early two thousands. So yeah, it's sad to see him go. I mean, it, he probably would have gone to the World Cup had he been fit, and just because Capello liked him around and the the opportunities he provides from dead balls, and he's he's still he'll still be outstanding from dead balls for many years to come, of course. But um. He, you know, he is, to quote Capello, too old. Uh, oh yeah. And, and England are moving on, so yeah, there's no room for him in the 
in the England squad or team anymore. But uh, he's he's been a massive figure in the game uh, for a number of years, and now he can live out his retirement in uh, in MLS glory, raking in millions from sponsorship deals and and playing a very very poor standard of football. Do you think him and Thierry ring each other up at the weekends going, I can't believe we're doing this? We used to be Thierry Henry and David Beckham once. They probably bump into each other at the, the bank with sackfuls of cash. Yeah. Although it's, it's quite a long way between the uh, Red Bulls and the Galaxy, unless they're all going to a bank in like Chicago or somewhere halfway, meeting in the middle. Cayman Islands, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's uh, it's interesting this development of uh, MLS. They they really tried hard not to do the New York Cosmos thing, you know, of bringing in aging superstars, but they seem to have rather failed in that and have reverted to type. Well, they've um, they've expanded their designated player system, so you know the the kind of US Beckham law thing, um, where I mean because it's 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 all kind of centrally contracted, so the franchises are. Are owned by individuals, but um, centrally uh, kind of licensed by the MLS, and all the player contracts are, are centrally held. So if you buy a player from the MLS, you're you're paying the MLS effectively. Um, and they have a slightly different thinking about uh, players' values as a result. That's why they won't let Landon Donovan go because in real terms he might be a 10 million pound player, but in their financial terms he's much bigger because it's about the profile of. Um, profile of the MLS and all, and all of that um, and so they, they've moved from having the one designated player to I think the two and I think they might be going to three designated players at some point in the, the near future maybe next season and they're slowly expanding the uh, number of uh, franchise teams as well so I think they're going to get to a point where I think they might have 16 this season I think they're going to get to a point where they have 18 or 20 and they might and that's a might move to a one a one league format now they have divisional things and then a playoff and, and all of that kind of stuff um, which is a bit alien to everybody bar US sports um, so so it's they're slowly improving I, I think there's a conscious effort in the, in the states to not do the New York Cosmos thing so um, they will be allowed now to and then three players outside of their their kind of salary cap and the salary cap is pretty strict in, in world terms they're some of these players don't earn that much, uh, except for the designated players like Henri and uh, Marquez and Beckham and so on. It's uh, it'd be interesting to see over the next few years. Um, but but I think that's that's going to just about do it for this episode of the Rankcast. Um, I said four one, you said two nil. Is that right? Or are you going with two nil or two one? Something around there. Yeah. No, no, you got you got to pick one, Ed. Oh, oh. Oh, well, I'll go with 2-0 then. Let's be positive. Nice. Well done. Although that, now you've just been positive, either there'll be some sort of plague of locusts or we're now going to lose because that's, uh, that's, that's what happens when you're positive about our chances. Huh. Thanks. <laughs> no, I don't mean it. Keep, keep it up, Ed. It's nice to hear a bit of, bit of optimism at the start of the season. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be back same time next week. Same time next week.